Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Hey guys, Haley here letting you know that Movie Talk is brought to you by DC Universe, the first all-DC platform for us DC fans where you can binge the new and highly touted original series Titans or jump into the beloved yet bizarre Doom Patrol with new episodes dropping weekly. Also, check out the thousands of comics just added, including more recent titles and complete storylines. Join at DCUniverse.com. Hello everyone, we've got some brand new character posters from Avengers Endgame to cover. On top of that, more quotes from Zack Snyder to dig into. And then we're going to ask ourselves, are we ever going to see New Mutants? Where are we going to see it? When are we going to see it? Some of the stars don't even know the answers to those questions, but you know what? We're going to speculate and try to figure it all out. I am your host, Perry Nemroff, but more importantly, I have Haley Fouch and Scott Mance at the table right now. Yeah, man. You are beaming, buddy. I love beaming. it. Beaming. I'm so happy to be back it. in this seat here, Collider. <laughs> and you're an awesome host, and it was so fun reviewing Dumbbell with you. We're back. I learned from the best, yes. and I also have the best partners next to me, so I'm spoiled here. <laughs> All right. I, I mean it. I wholeheartedly mean it. All right. You guys ready to dig into this? Let's we got a it. lot to cover today. Oh, yeah. And the first thing is something you might have been seeing all over Twitter all over social media platforms today. It is the brand new Avengers Endgame character posters. So we're a month away from the release of the movie right now, and this is what they did to celebrate the month. And all of these stars, they unveiled these posters. Some have color to them, and some do not. So it basically solidifies who got dusted at the end of Infinity War and who didn't. So looking at this whole set of posters we got, Haley, is there anybody in particular that really surprised you? I don't know about surprise, but I'm so happy Valkyrie lives. Yes! I've been wondering what happened to her. They just, just left us ruthlessly hanging in Infinity War. No answers whatsoever to where she went. So it thrills me to know that she'll be coming back, at least in com- some context in this movie. Mm-hmm. Of course, there are ones that were sad to see, but I, I was so overjoyed to see Tessa Thompson that I barely registered my tears. <sighs> I was pretty hyped to see Tessa Thompson in the mix. I think the one that made me sadder, and actually, I would say this about a couple of people as I was scrolling through them, I feel like this speaks to how well the movie works just for me personally. I understand if it didn't work for somebody out there, but as (laughs) I was scrolling through them and I hit one that was black and white, I felt something. I really felt like a tinge of sadness. Letitia Wright as Shuri. Okay, okay, fair enough. crushed my heart a little bit. Okay, well, crushed my heart, really because, you know, this was a character that goes back to when I was a little, little, little kid of loving Spider-Man, Tom Holland, black and white. I mean... His his dust moment in Avengers uh, Infinity War was deeply moving. Like like you really felt the emotion in that when when he was hugging uh, Iron Man, you mm-hmm. know Tony Stark. Like that was a really emotional moment. Like scrolling down, seeing all the character posters, especially the dust of ones. Seeing Tom Holland, uh, Peter Parker was the one that really got me. His performance really enhanced that moment big time. And it's like I know I'm digging into like teeny tiny details on character posters right now, but there is something about like the expression on his face, even compared to all the other ones we yeah. got, that makes that one heartbreaking as He's well. Down, yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, they, I think they it. all are looking down. But like, there's, like, 
there's extra sadness on his face. We got a whole bunch of posters now, and there's just so many characters in play in Endgame that we're already aware of. But was there anybody missing from this collection that kind of shocked you? Yeah, Thanos. I mean, yeah, he's not a hero, but he did, like, make this whole thing happen. And he is the bearer of the Infinity Stones now. Mm -hmm. And he is the only one, as far as I know, I mean, there are a lot of character posters, both dusted and undusted, on that you have to scroll down and keep scrolling down and up to see if everyone is there. But the glaring omission here for me was Thanos. I love him or hate him. He is a key player in this now 11-year-old MCU. I like that someone on Twitter made their own for him, and they took the A, and instead of Avenge the Fallen, it said, relax on a farm. (laughs) I appreciated that. It hit a point where so many people were coming up with so many creative spins that I almost lost track for a minute of which ones were official and which ones weren't. I wish the Goose one was official. Oh, yeah. Obviously. Oh, my God. I love Goose in Captain Marvel so, so much. Has anybody asked if Goose got dusted yet? Have we Not, confronted this as a fandom? I don't know. I, I mean, I hate to ask this question, but like, can Goose survive? Like, what? What? Is, I guess, what is the uh, what's the, the lifespan life on a flurkin? I have no <laughs> idea. Because if Goose was just a cat, the sad truth is Goose would probably. Maybe not be around, but we know he is not. He can contain literal multitudes. I like the uh, the hope in your heart right now because yes. I want to see Goose back. Well, you know, you're talking. It's a month until Avengers Endgame opens, but of course, you know, we're going to be seeing it a whole lot sooner than that. You know, the world premiere is on. You know coming up soon so we know that we're going to want to see it there if we can get it to that yeah i mean talk about the hottest ticket i think the ticket to the world premiere of avengers endgame might be even hotter than star wars episode nine. Oh man i i do think that this is going to be the biggest opening of the entire year i mean i've already been thinking about it just because the conversation has largely been swirling around the idea of can this thing make history and wind up with a 300 million dollar opening weekend i still think that is a very very high number but then again, with Marvel movies, I've been proven wrong with how I underestimated Black Panther, how high Infinity War went. I still do think that $300 million one weekend is a very, very lofty goal. But it is, in my mind, undoubtedly topping Infinity War. Well, it, it, the other thing holding it maybe from topping $300 million world, at least domestic, is the fact that it is more than three hours mm-hmm, long, yeah. which makes you cut down on the run times. If it was like, you know, two hour, two hour and 20 minute movie, it might actually top $300 million domestic, but I doubt it. What not, was not the runtime on Infinity War? Two, I think it was like close to two it and was, a half hours. Yeah, around there. Okay. Yeah. 236 or something. But the thing is, I, I worked in movie theaters for years, and they will open early and stay open late to squeeze in extra screenings. Oh, 24 they will, hours. They will not play other films to make room for more Avengers. So I believe that's the, We'll see. I also believe the Infinity War runtime is actually two hours and 40 minutes. So the question oh. is... Is that 20 minutes going to even make a difference for people who want to see it two times in the same weekend? Well, if, uh, if I don't the think it would for like me. You said, like you yeah. pointed out, they do like 24-7 screenings that first week or, or a couple weeks. Uh, that could push it over $300 million. But I still think uh, that's a, that's a, that is a really high number. Can you imagine? <laughs> that would be nuts. I, but worldwide, I don't know. It's gonna, if it, is it a worldwide day-and-day kind of thing? Because it could 
make over $600 million worldwide. I would hope so, just for the sake of keeping spoilers under wraps for territories (laughs) you don't get to see it ASAP. I mean, I feel like that is often how they release their movies over there. This is going to be Or actually, now that I think about it, not really. A lot lot of precautions because of the the question of who's going to live and who's going to die. I mean, like, everyone's going to go on Twitter and social media and everything like that. Well, the other thing is, with that runtime, like, look at that poster. Look at all of the uh, character posters from today lined up in a grid together. Yep. You can't really do that if you're not going to justify the inclusion of all those characters and have something. Like, I don't think every single one needs, like, a fully fleshed out arc or a major storyline in their favor, but you need to have a reason to have every single one of those characters in this movie, and it can't just be, oh, well, it's Endgame, so they all got to pop up somehow. So, if that three hour and two minute runtime justifies all of those people in this movie... That will make me happy. Yeah, I completely agree. We'll also see, though, how much, you know, the people who are in the black and white posters, how much they actually are in the film, or if it's just a last-minute return at the end, so to speak. I don't know. I don't know. We have so many questions. You know who didn't get a character poster? Hmm. Colby Smulders. Stanley. Aww. Someone made a fan poster of him that's very beautiful. Aww. But that actually makes me think of the, the person that I was sad to see left out, especially because she was part of the end credits of Infinity War, and it was Colby Smulders. Oh. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I was one. a little bummed about that one. She's been around for a while. Other than that, I think... Oh, and Nakia. I Where think, was she? Yeah, that, that would be more interesting to me, since we don't really know what's up with her at all. The thing with Colby Smulders, all due respect, like, I just don't feel that people are emotionally attached to her character in the way that we are. It's like, you know, the way you talk about Spider-Man and things yep. like that. That when you deliver these these black and white posters that are supposed to come with a gut punch, I'm not sure if that one has as much to give. I, a fair point. A fair <laughs> point. I mean, I definitely can't make a case for her character arc throughout the right. MCU like I can for other characters. But even just as someone who has had a presence, like a presence period in this cinematic universe, yeah. I don't know. For for me, especially because where we left off, like she goes hand in hand with Nick Fury and also Coulson. Fair enough. All right. <laughs> we will see what details we uncover as we creep closer to the movie's big debut because, oh boy, we have a lot of questions. And we're going to try to answer those questions and make some bold predictions here on Collider in the coming weeks. So keep an eye out. So much endgame coverage coming your way very soon. But right now, we are moving back to that Q&A after a screening of Batman v Superman, the Ultimate Edition, I believe, that Zack Snyder recently participated in. There's a whole bunch of stuff coming out of that Q&A right Right now and right now we are specifically discussing how Zack Snyder handled the character of Batman and specifically turning Batman into a murderous vigilante. So on the one hand, traditionally Batman is not really a killer in the comics, but then you also consider that with Snyder's radical change on the DCEU and the tone he struck there killing and a grizzled, more haunted Batman does kind of suit that format, but during the Q&A, someone brought this up, and here is what Zack Snyder said to that question, minus a whole bunch of F-bombs. Someone (laughs) says to me, like, oh, Batman killed a guy. I'm like, F, really? I almost said it. I'm like, wake the F up. 
That's what I'm saying about once you've lost your virginity to this effing movie and then you come and you say to me about like, oh, my superhero wouldn't do that. I'm like, are you serious? I'm like down the effing road on that. You know what I mean? Well, I feel like an idiot reading that. Oh, oh, Perry, keep going. You're doing we great, Perry. Go, Perry. I, like I should stop there. There's not that many F-bombs in this next section here. Um, let's see. It's a cool point of view to be like, my heroes are still innocent. My heroes didn't lie to America. My heroes didn't embezzle money. My heroes didn't commit any atrocities. I'm like, that's cool, but you're living in a, oh, I lie. You're living in an effing dream world. The cool thing is like, mythologically speaking, I'm 100% fine. And by the way, I love more than anything Superman and Batman, but in the same way that Alan Moore was fed up with the effing like, okay, no, they do this. Are you laughing? Are you coughing? I'm laughing at his, just his train of Clearly. thought. <laughs> all right. I give up. No, no. I'm sorry. No. I mean, it, he makes it right. hard on you. He, he does a little bit. Uh, but he goes on to say, but it talked about comic book movies at their most. They were broken, so he was just addressing that. The thing with comic book movies is, and you know I'm a fan. I go see them. I love them. Dot, dot, dot. All right. I think the big question here, Mance, is yes. with his take on it here... Is this too big of a swing for an iconic character like Batman? At what point do you remove so many of the pillars of what it means to be Batman that he is no longer Batman? Well, listen, every every time we've seen an incarnation of Batman on the big screen, at least since 1989, not 1966, it's been a little different. Uh, you know, you had that just sort of goth artistic flair that Tim Burton did in the in 1989, and then you had just the grounded Batman that we saw in the dark. Knight trilogy, you know, uh, uh, Nolan, what Nolan did with Batman and the Joker in the Dark Knight was was brilliant. You know, he made it a mob movie. So, so now you have Zack Snyder; he's putting his own spin on it. But yes, that that's that's a pretty big deal. That's a pretty big deal. Like like you, killing somebody. That'd be like, I mean, I know I'm going back to Spider Man here, but you know, with one with one move like that, you do change the foundation of the character. A character can be dark. A character can be a sociopath like Batman is in the Nolan films, but killing, it's like, like what's left? I don't know. I thought that was a bit much. Exactly. And, yeah. and what's left as it pertains to what Batman stands for and exactly. who he is. It's like, I'm a big fan of taking big swings from a creative perspective and, you know, subverting expectations, showing different types of lead characters. But the truth of the matter is he's still making a Batman movie. Mm -hmm. And based on this description here, if you take out one of the fundamental principles of what it means to be Batman and what I've always taken it to be like the thing that's always driven him like to stop things like what happened to his parents then then i start to ask myself is this character even batman anymore or is this just like why not just rename him any other vigilante you know he's a, he's a great like anti-hero because he's uh, or a reluctant hero whatever you want to call it but he's still he's still one of the good guys mm -hmm. because he didn't kill he he never went that far but in in the snyder movie he did and like 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 that was shocking to me and and uh, uh and i i you know, I think the Snyder uh, take on the DCEU has been uh, – people have been harsh on that. I mean, it is it is its own thing. It, it is sort of in the shadow of, like, what the MCU has been able to do so well. But that was just one thing where it, it took me out – it actually took me out of the film seeing him do that. 
Well, it's like I I love Watchmen, and I I really love his version of Watchmen. Yeah, I do too. I, I've As been do I. So happy since that movie's been on Netflix. But, uh, <laughs> and and I love the boys, and we're gonna see a version of that that I may have seen in some episodes of that you know like get excited. <laughs> so like um, that's a great team. That's that's uh, it's a good trope to to skewer and to investigate and we're all interested in that type of storytelling but i think you guys really hit it on the head which is like then that's not really batman anymore we're talking about a different story now a different hero and there's there's so many batmans that sure okay we have this one version that's just like a super duper murderer fine i think somebody (laughs) estimated he kills like 30 plus people in that film or something So, yeah, this Batman's a serial killer. Rock on. (laughs) I don't know if that's the Batman I believe in, but we have so many Batmans now Mm -hmm. that I can be fine with going, okay, that one's not for me. Yeah, I think I'm I'm in the same exact uh, boat on that now, and I'm really curious to see what uh, Matt Reeves delivers. Because after all this, I mean, the pressure is on. Also because... I also have Shazam on my mind for obvious reason. And and it's like what he describes with Batman here is just like so the polar opposite of what Shazam winds up being. And I'm just talking about, you know, where the DC film franchise is heading now. Mm -hmm. And I don't think it's completely unrealistic for two completely different movies tonally for them to exist in that same franchise. But it's just so interesting reading these quotes so soon after seeing such a fun, loving movie. And I know completely different characters, but it's difficult to kind of sort that out in my brain right now. I think that what we're seeing with DC is that their films are not, they're not all taking place in this, in this universe. They have different projects about the Joker that don't coexist. So, you know, they're doing their films that are, that are in the DCEU and they're doing their offshoots that stand alone, which is fine. I mean, you know, Marvel's not doing that. Marvel is, everything is in the MCU, but, uh, but yeah. Um, yeah. Batman is a, is Batman for a reason. And, uh, that was, uh, it was just, yeah, well, a bit much. <laughs> it's also interesting because I, I actually think I'm, I'm cynical enough that I totally agree with what he's saying. Like, grow up if you think that there are people who are actually as good as Superman. Oh, yeah. But that's not why we go to Superman is because we want that dose of reality. That's never why we've turned to these heroes is to be like reaffirmed with the cruelty of real world. You know, stories serve different functions depending on how they're told. And I... I value aspirational heroes to be something other than realistic. Well, yeah, I mean, superheroes, I, I can tell you that at least one of the very big reasons I go to see Marvel and DC movies and, you know, throwing heroes from Star Wars for that matter is that, like, I want to feel inspired and motivated. I want to hear them say something that I can then take with me and it'll encourage me to strive to be a better person. Exactly. Well, listen, I'm all for, I'm all for a director taking chances as long as you retain the spirit of the character. The best example, I know switching back to Marvel on this, was Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. I mean, you introduced Miles Morales as Spider-Man, but you retained everything that has made Spider-Man endure for 60-plus years. Uh, 60 years, right? Uh, <laughs> whatever, 1962. But, uh, but it, it, was, it was different. It was very different, and you had the old Spider-Man, you had Spider-Gwen, you had Spider-Ham, uh, but it, it, the spirit of what Spider-Man was, was shining through in that movie. It's what made that movie and, you know, just ultimately so great and why it deservedly won the Oscar for Best Animated hmm. Feature. But, uh, you know, okay, so Snyder wants to put his own spin on Batman. Fine, but is that 
is that really Batman? That's the question. I wonder what people are going to say in the comments section. <laughs> it'll, it'll be interesting. I mean, do chime in. Be be kind. I know this is a very hot topic here, but give us your thoughts on Zack Snyder's comments, what Batman means to you, and what you can't lose if you're going to do a big screen adaptation of that character story. Hey guys, Perry here to let you know that Movie Talk is brought to you by DC Universe, the first all-DC platform for us DC fans. Join at DCUniverse.com and get sucked into new original series like the highly touted Titans, or you can jump into Doom Patrol, DC's most beloved team of super freaky superheroes, featuring an incredible cast of Joyvin Wade, Diane Guerrero, April Bowlby, Alan Tudyk, Matt Bomber, and Brendan Fraser, with new episodes dropping weekly or you can get your comic book fix with thousands of new comic titles just added to an already impressive comic library this includes more recent titles and also complete storylines like superman secret origin batman 2011 and harley quinn 2013 also available on the platform are tons of the classic dc movies we love like batman batman returns and the original superman movie if animated films are more your speed join now because the justice league versus the fatal five is coming soon DC Universe is available on your favorite devices, so if you were thinking about it, now is definitely the time. Join and get a year's worth of DC content at DCUniverse.com. All right. Before we move on to our next topic today, I must remind you, we take your live Twitter questions at the end of this show. Use the hashtag Collider Movie Talk. Short, sweet, different. Maybe we'll pick it. All right. (laughs) Story number three is going right back to New Mutants because we had one of the stars of the film, Maisie Williams. She did an interview with Rolling Stones. There's F-bombs all over this show in all of these quotes. Maisie Williams told (laughs) Rolling Stone, who knows when the F that's going to come out, she told them and then she went on to tell the outlet that there was supposed to be reshoots to make it scarier but those reshoots have not even happened she also says that uh charlie heaton who is also in new mutants she went and she asked him what the f is going on with this movie and he didn't know the answer either so after that she added probably as a joke hopefully this interview will make everybody hurry up a little bit If that happens, I wouldn't be opposed to that. I really want to see this movie, but I don't know what's going on. Mance, based on adding these quotes here to the pile of information we already have and all the confusion we already have, what do you think is going to happen with New Mutants? Will we ever see it? I think we will see it. I mean, they're they're going to release it, and it's – but it's it's, you know, it's hard to say. I I feel like ever since X-Men Apocalypse – which was not very good. The, you know, the last truly great X-Men combined film was uh, Days of Future Past, although The Wolverine and Logan were both, were both great, especially Logan. But with, uh, with Dark Phoenix and with New Mutants, I feel like there's a scraping the bottom of the barrel feel to that universe uh, that Fox still has unto themselves. So clearly from everything that we've read and from what you talked about Perry here is is new mutants is in trouble you know they've had trouble you know maybe there have been reshoots maybe there haven't been you know macy was was very honest maybe a little more honest than she should have been <laughs> uh, when talking about a film that has not opened yet and a film that's really going to uh, be released long after disney has now acquired fox and is bringing x-men into their world so the the question is will fox which is still going to have the banner in front of the uh, the trailer you know in front of the movie uh but it's going to be a disney thing 
And is Disney going to release it, just sort of like put it out there without much fanfare now? I mean, are they going to like put it out in like late August, which is kind of like a dumping ground? Uh, or are they going to try and save it because it is so crucial now to the new regime? I have a feeling that she was so kind of loose and willing to say yeah. whatever because nobody has been talking to any of them. I mean, when there's so much uncertainty in the air, the pressure to keep everything top secret and under wraps kind of goes out the window. And I mean, I, like I believe her. I believe they have no clue whatsoever with what is happening to this movie. So why not say something like that? Or they could move it off of April of August uh, 2019 and move it into 2020. I early think there is a 0% chance yeah. we're getting this movie in August. I don't yeah. think we're going to see it. I also am starting to think that we're not even going to get it on the big screen. I have a feeling that this thing is going to get dumped on streaming, Disney not Disney+. Plus. I have a feeling it's going to Hulu. That's what I think, too. Yeah. Really? That's what Whoa! I think is going to happen. Bold predictions, ladies. Yeah. I, I think that the way she's talking about this, the way that they they revealed everything about Dark Phoenix when that last trailer came out, and he gave that insane long interview that spoiled so much content, <laughs> I, they're just done. Like, I feel like these are just going to get dumped off, kind of, especially New Mutants, especially because they never even filmed the reshoots. What a bummer. I mean, this, I think they're just going to take the cut they have. Put it on Hulu. Not Done. Hulu. I think it's going to, now that I'm thinking about it after hearing this, I think it's going to go on Disney+. Plus. And Disney+, Plus is launching in late late uh, 2019 yeah. anyway. going Not that they need content, it's but less it would sweeten the, the pot a little. State. It's more about preserving the brand, though. Yeah. It's something that was never even created under the Disney umbrella, which is making me think they're not going to want to. And I'm not saying that I think it's going to be a steaming pile of garbage, but they're, <laughs> I, I just envision them looking at it like we don't want to like do do? taint our pristine, like the beginnings of this new service so let's just like shove it aside here that's what i think is going to happen and i think they absolutely want to lead with their strongest foot forward especially on the heels of like an announcement like apple's yesterday where they're going into this fiercely competitive you know we are all talking about the streaming wars Mm -hmm. are coming i think they're going to keep that brand pristine and strong and disney focused and nothing that was made or at least if it was made before it became disney's it will have to be a low profile project Wow. But I do think you're right. I don't think it's going to come out in, in August. Such a shame. I just really wanted to see Josh Boone do something special with this. And I was always yeah. getting the impression at the beginning, like, he really had a cool idea. And that first trailer came out, and it was so horror-infused. And it really just, like, it had that that pop value to me where I immediately gravitated yep. to it. I remember on Movie Talk, like, forever ago, we did, like, a, a fantasy draft for upcoming movies. And it was one of my top picks because I thought that trailer was the coolest thing. I thought this was going to be, like, you know, at least a smaller version of a, of a bigger team-up X-Men movie that was just going to like pop and really catch viewers and look at where we are now yeah yeah. and they uh i wasn't on the set visit but i talked to people who were and they name dropped like one of my favorite movies of all time as an influence the third nightmare on elm street film Mm -hmm. dream warriors with all these kids with powers coming together to try to fight something scary What a bummer. bummer. We'll have to wait and see what the fate is of this one. But now we're going to move on to another movie that we know we're getting on June 12th of 2020, like barring any complications. But I've got faith. So this story right now is about the new Candyman remake, because about a month ago, it was reported that Yahya Abdul-Mateen II would be starring in the new Candyman. Many, including us right here, ran with the idea that he is taking over the title role for Tony 
Todd. But during a recent interview that our own Christina Radish did with the director of the movie, Nia DaCosta, DaCosta basically set the record straight and said that's not how things are panning out. Here is the quote with no F-bombs. Well, <laughs> it's been slightly misreported. I can't say what's happening in the film because we want it to be a surprise, but he's not replacing Tony Todd. That's been reported, and I was just like, I don't know what to say about this. That's not right. I also want to read a little bit about what DaCosta likes about Clive Barker's material, because I think this could come basically into play with what the actual spin on this new Candyman is going to be. But there's so much reality and truth in it at the same time. Being able to take genre and expansive worlds and expansive people and doing that as well as he's done it is a big thing. Also, there's the weirdness of it that I think is really special and how specific that weirdness is. That's what I want to draw into our Candyman. All right. Backing up a little here, Haley. So <laughs> if he is not stepping in to take over the Candyman mantle from Tony Todd, mm-hmm. how is Yaya factoring into the story? It's a really, <laughs> really good question. I'd love yes. to know the answer to. I have theories. I um, love your theories and ideas. <laughs> I, I like the idea that maybe we're going to get a Candyman for a new generation born out of a new tragedy. So if he was a Candyman from the slavery era, maybe we'll get something more updated. I, I especially... After seeing the opening scenes of Us, was like, oh my god, his physicality is perfect. Isn't it? Perfect. So I hope he is playing this terrifying but charming villain because he is built for it to precision and he's a very talented actor. But I'm also, of course, thrilled that they're not outright replacing Tony Todd. Mm -hmm. I don't know what their strategy is. I don't know how they're going to pull that off. But I trust anyone who name drops in the full quote about uh, Clive Barker. She name dropped Aberat, or he's pardoned. So I'm super into oh, yes, anyone yes. who name drops Aberat. You have my full trust to handle <laughs> your Clive Barker material. Go forward. Go At forward. this point, if Jordan Peele is involved in something, I've got faith in yeah. it. And I know he is going to say something with this movie, something even more than what we got in the first iteration, because I don't look at him as the kind of filmmaker and someone leading the Twilight Zone series right now yeah, as someone who is going to take the rinse, wash, repeat approach. Yeah. And I also don't think he is ever going to be the kind of person who just milks something for all it's worth. I think he is taking this over because he has a really good, thoughtful idea to continue it and what you just said seems like the way to do it tap into everything that we got from that original movie and the movies that came after it but then add that extra layer by showing us how someone could evolve from you know more recent times in this same capacity so i think i'm rooting for what you just pitched me too me too nice <laughs> where do you fall on all this man so are you uh, a candy man uh, uh, i i saw the the first one okay you know, i love tony todd uh but you know you were clearly the expert here so so I'm just going to follow your lead. <laughs> I always love being recognized for my brilliance. <laughs> so much brilliance. Hello again, everybody. Perry here to remind you that this episode of Collider Movie Talk is brought to you by DC Universe, the first all-DC platform for us DC fans. Join at DCUniverse.com to stream the original series Doom Patrol with new episodes dropping weekly. For those who aren't familiar with Doom Patrol, they're one of the most beloved and bizarre superhero crews out there with each Each member having suffered a previous horrific injury that now gives them unique superpowers, they have united as a squad of super freaks to fight 
fight for a world that, ironically, wants nothing to do with them. The star-studded cast is led by Joy Van Wade as Cyborg, Diane Guerrero as Crazy Jane, April Bobby as Elastigirl, Alan Tudyk as Mr. Nobody, with Matt Bomber as Negative Man, and Brendan Fraser as Robot Man. Enjoy Doom Patrol as well as other original series, thousands of added comics, animated films, and classic DC movies on the Ultimate DC platform, DC Universe, available on your favorite devices. Join today and get a year's worth of DC content at DCUniverse.com. All right, we are going to move into our live Twitter questions very soon, but first, we have a whole bunch of stuff to tell you about on Collider right now. Tomorrow, you are getting a brand new episode of Collider Live. Collider Heroes and also Collider Movie Talk as always. Also, I think we did a little review today, man. Do you um, want to tell everybody about yeah, it? It was a little review with very big ears. We reviewed Dumbo. It flies, but does it soar? You'll have to go right now and check out our review. Now I'm curious. Yeah, Tim Burton directing Dumbo. Dumbo, which takes place at a carnival, at a circus feels like it should be Tim Burton's wheelhouse. The production design is glorious as it, as it usually is, or always is for Tim Burton's movies. But uh, was he the right person to direct this movie? Check out our review, because we will be honest with you and tell you the truth. There you go. <laughs> and on top of that, there was also a brand new episode of Witching Hour that dropped. Haley, oh, what yeah. happened on that? We went all in on us. We talked our favorite theories, our, our thoughts on the ending, our thoughts on what it all means, and the parts that we agree on, the parts that we don't agree on, the parts that we think nobody's figured out yet. It's a whole big, deep, fun, explaining, splash, theorizing <laughs> conversation, and it was a blast to shoot. And, of course, I got a little bit of love in for my new favorite thing, the OA on Netflix, yes, which yes. I'm name-dropping here, because it's awesome. Go watch it. All righty. <laughs> so now it is that time. Oh, actually, I have one more thing to remind you about. Yep, I remembered. So if you want to see the first two episodes of Amazon Prime's Hannah, we're going to give you the opportunity to do just that. Go on over to Collider.com and find out how to win tickets to our screening, which is on Wednesday, March 27th. And if you win tickets to that, not only are you going to get to see these episodes of Hannah, but you're also going to be part of a Collider meet and greet. So go over to Collider.com, find out how to enter and get on that now. All right. Twitter questions. I am obsessed with us, as most of you well know. So I'm going with this question first. Okay. Andrew, who is at Laptop Lassane on Twitter, was asking if you could replace any horror movie couple in history with Winston Duke and Lupita Nyong'o, oh. which would you choose? Is that a great question? That's a great question. Whoa. It's going to okay, take wait, me a hot that question second. Again. Repeat that question so we can think horror of that. Movie if you could replace place. any horror movie couple in history with Winston Duke and Lupita Nyong'o, who, which movie would you choose? Oh, man. That, I love that this. That's tough. I adore uh, okay, this question. Okay, couple meaning like a couple or a couple played by a man and a woman? Or just, you know, like uh, two people I think in it could be anything. I would love to see a version of Psycho with oh. Winston Duke as Norman Bates and uh, Lupita Nyong'o. Uh, in the uh, channel. You know what's really weird is immediately after I read this question, my mind went to Hitchcock. But I, could, I couldn't find the Hitchcock movie that I most liked them in. I'm just keeping keeping it to horror, hmm. you, you know, because us is sort of a horror movie. It's a it's a it's a horror movie. It's a oh, suspense thriller. It's it's a it's un, it's a genre unto itself. And remember, remember at the South by Southwest premiere uh, when when Jordan Peele was on stage before the movie, he said he said you know a lot of people try to describe you know my style with Get Out is, is it horror is it suspense and he just goes who gives a shit <laughs> I did 
like that answer. I, I get tired of the obsession over genre labels. But to to be clear, he did go on Twitter later and say, it's "Us horror. is a horror movie." Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, he did. Just right, that right yeah. up. All right. So what's you? What's your pick? You know, I, I'll probably kick myself for not thinking of the perfect thing after this. But I already like what's in my head, which would be, and I went more literally with couple uh, Dewey and Gale and Scream. I think oh, they would be a wild oh, take on there that. You go. I would yeah. be very I open love to that. Nineteen ninety-six. Oh, that's a good one. Six ninety-six. That's a good one. Yes, <laughs> that I know very well. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm veering away from Hitchcock. Okay. And I'm going towards. I kept trying to think of a good slasher. Oh, oh, I got it. Oh no, uh, I got it. I'm I got scared. it. Forget Hitchcock. Okay, for, for, I'm He's going out. with Kubrick. The Shining. Boom. Oh. Boom. Come on, Winston Duke is Jack Torrance, and Ooh. and Lupita Nyong'o is Wendy. That's Boom. There great. it is. There it is, ladies and gentlemen. There it is. You got it, Collider fans. I would take that. The Shining great. because where I was going after Hitchcock and slashers was into Stephen King adaptations because I can't stop reading them. Right now, I'm reading. Misery for the first time. Oh, God, is that a great book? It's, I mean, it's a fascinating read because the versions that I have seen of it, they don't include Misery's story, and I really like that element in it, but I don't know if they would... I don't want to see Misery ever remade, even though I have so much faith in the two of them. Uh, don't be a dirty birdie. <laughs> oh, what, what are some of her other things? Now they're not coming to my mind. Oh, right. Dirty but, birdie, cock and duty. Uh, yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> I'm never going to get enough of that. All right, this next question comes from uh, good old Chris D'Onofrio, who's asking, with the exception of Jungle Book, the Disney live-action remakes haven't proven to be more memorable than the originals. Will that eventually affect their box office? Uh, that is a great question. Well, I think it's going to hurt this weekend. I am very concerned for Dumbo's opening total here. And I, I don't I haven't looked up the production budget or reported production budget on it right now. Well, but it's not cheap. <laughs> it's definitely not cheap. But I also think it is just coming at a very bad time of year. And I know there's not a lot of crossover in this audience, but us was just so, so big last week. And, and then I think not this coming weekend, but the weekend after that, the combination of Pet Cemetery and Shazam, that's going to be so, so big that all of a sudden Dumbo falls in between. And many moviegoers out there are likely thinking, yeah. if I spend my money on this, then I'm not going to spend my money on that. And in that case, I think Dumbo is the one that loses out. But Dumbo is a family film. It is a family film. Mm-hmm. And uh, even though I, without giving away how I, uh, what we talked about <laughs> in our review, Perry, um, I'm going to say that the kids around me at the screening at the El Capitan, they were laughing and they were having a great time. And you know, though they're not going to be as uh, judgmental on movies as we're going to be. And, uh, you know, with with regards to us, it's definitely not a family movie. I mean, Shazam, I guess, kind of is a family movie, Uh, you know, but uh, Pet Cemetery, not a family movie. Uh, So I do think that, well, first of all, to answer this question, I think you've got a long way to go before these live-action remakes are going to start to sour Mm -hmm. because... Up next is, you know, you got Lion King, you got Aladdin. Uh, I'm, I'm still on the fence about Aladdin, but Lion King is going to be huge. It's going to be massive. I think it's going to take, it would take another, like, maybe another couple years mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. inferior live action remakes before moviegoers will sour on that concept. What do you Although think? Although I do see Aladdin. So let's say my instincts right now prove true and Aladdin is not very good. 
I foresee yeah. Aladdin having a big opening weekend just because of the love of the original, the yeah. original animated film. It's May, right? And then it tanking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And well, in which case, I mean, I know we all love to sit here and praise movies that have big opening weekends, and that's great, too, because they're still making a lot of money. But really, what matters is the long legs, because if it sputters out quickly, then I don't know. I, I think that does hint that maybe they should kind of slow it down and pump the brakes a little with these because the thing that we could run into if these two movies do not do well and they want to continue making them is that's when we're going to see things dropping on Disney+. Plus. But you have, well, that, that's a good point, too. But you not have that that's uh, Jungle Book. necessarily a bad thing. Jo- jo- no, no, I, I, I yeah. agree. I, mean, I you said know, it like a negative thing, but, but Disney, I guess it's not. Yeah, I agree. You know, I'm with you. Disney is not going to is not going to put inferior product on their service at least not not the beginning yeah. that could change mm-hmm. but what do you think about that um i think i agree with you that they're fine for quite a while i i'm curious to see how dumbo does because there is not a significant amount of buzz around it which even even on some of these movies that i haven't loved like i wasn't crazy about the new beauty and the beast oh i take issue with the uh, sentiment that only Jungle Book is great because Cinderella rocks. Cinderella is Watch great. that movie. Feel better about yourself. Feel better about <laughs> humanity. It's a beautiful movie. I forgot about that one. It's a good I one. love that yeah. one. Uh, but I, I just think that it, it's got enough juice behind it now that it'll be okay for a while. Whether Dumbo topples or not, which I, I think it will actually perform pretty decently despite the well. lack of buzz. Not great, but well. I think that Aladdin is going to be really big. Even if it doesn't get super great reviews, I think it has two strong weekends in it, just based on how much people freaking love Aladdin. Mm-hmm. And, of course, we all know Lion King is going to shatter records. Yeah, I also the thing about Aladdin is it opens in late May, and it's going to have that Memorial Weekend. Uh, I'm pretty sure it opens before, before then. Correct me if I'm wrong, Perry. I will. Uh, but, you know, Aladdin, yeah, I, I feel like, you know, people went crazy for the trailer for Lion King. So that's that's money in the bank. Yeah. And and for, for Aladdin, that's money in the bank, at least initially. Mm-hmm. But it is going to be a make or break whether people buy Will Smith as the mm-hmm. genie. And I, I, I think uh, I, I'm cautiously optimistic like you Perry. Aladdin does have the holiday weekend but I am looking at current ticket sales I believe these are for Fandango tracking right now and you know I know it's only Tuesday and the movie doesn't come out until later in the week but especially having tracked Captain Marvel and us so early on and watching how those numbers changed these are super concerning to me, right. but I don't know. We'll see as the uh, the days go along. I think sometimes sales on family-friendly movies tend to peak more towards the weekend, similar to horror movies compared to something like Us and Captain Marvel, but we shall see. That's a great question. All right. Next question here. Oh, next question here is a good one. This one comes from Sky Patterson, who's asking, uh, love the incredible product content, productive content you provide fans with the craft and development at Sony Pictures. Is there any actresses you would like to see in the leads that would give the remake a wide appeal. Ooh, the oh, remake, the boy. reboot of, uh, of The Craft. Yes. Which, wow, that's a great question. Okay, do you have anyone? Uh, yeah. yeah. Okay, Perry, do you? Like, I mean, I want this one to go okay, first. Okay, go, you go first. I'm, I'm very passionate about The Craft. Um, I think in terms of wide appeal, my number one pick would be Zendaya. She has. Oh, that's a good one! And I love her. Everyone loves her, and she has such an enormous footprint on social media. I think if she was in it, it would immediately have 
huge, huge appeal. Also on the OA, now on Netflix. Watch it. It's the best. Wow, nice going. Um, <laughs> I, they didn't advertise her in the show, which I thought was completely insane. Anyway, my other picks are less built on appeal and more just who I want to see. Okay. You could take the whole cast of Assassination Nation, honestly. They were all so good. But Harry Neff was a real standout to me, and she was great on you. I would love to see her. And uh, Virginia Gardner from Halloween, who is another standout. Such good calls there. I will throw in Beanie Feldstein because... Oh, wonderful. She is part... Beanie Feldstein has joined the official Witching Hour fan club where we're obsessed with her and want to see her and everything. And the other one... Mance, did you see the movie Cher at uh, Sundance? No, I didn't. I want the lead of that to be cast in in everything out there. Rianne Barreto. She is really something else in that movie. That movie wouldn't have been the same movie without her. And I just want to see her kind of become a thing and get more jobs. I want to see Elsie Fisher. Oh, yeah. Elsie Fisher in the reboot of what The Craft. What did she just get cast in? Uh, something big. Yeah, she just joined something and I got all excited and now I can't remember what it was. <laughs> you guys went a little younger than I was thinking, too. So no, that's okay. I'll, I'll yeah. also throw Cause, in... Because this could be, yeah, it yeah. could be any time in high school. It's true. Yeah. I'll also throw in... Castle um, Rock. Castle Rock, yes. yes. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Why yes. Why is my brain failing me right? Shahadi... Right, right from, Joseph. Yes. From, uh, from, from us. us. Yes. Yeah. If they're looking younger, she's phenomenal. Oh, she was great. She was great. I'm pretty sure we just <laughs> cast the movie, so no, I hope yeah, somebody okay. important Studio. was watching. <laughs> All right. We got to round this out. I'm going to do one light and fun question to end this for, like, no good reason at all, except I like thinking about these things. Tristan on Twitter, who goes by the handle Tongue613, is asking, what is your favorite, you ready for this, breakfast cereal? Oh, oh Cocoa Puffs. Cocoa Pebbles. Cocoa Pebbles. Cocoa Pebbles. I, I, I mean, you know, you got the chocolate, you know, the chocolate melts in the milk. Yeah. And then you know, what I do is with Cocoa Pebbles, I put the Cocoa Pebbles in the milk oh, no. and I start eating, you know, while the Cocoa Pebbles are nice and dry, but then they get soggy and then the cocoa melts off or, or you know, goes off into the milk and then I finish eating the cereal and then I take the bowl of milk and I drink the chocolate. Smart milk. man right, right? there. Right? Come That's on. Smart, Nothing yeah. goes wasted. Cocoa Pebbles. Ready to go. Flintstones. <laughs> I'm also a Pebbles girl, but I'm I'm a Fruity Pebbles personality. Okay, Fruity but Pebbles is good. Pebbles are the bomb, my dude. Yes, you ever, you ever go choice. to, uh, what is it, um, uh, the, the yogurt place? Uh, uh, they have the, the Fruity Pebbles. I know Pebbles what you're talking popping, about. Right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, no, I've also uh, seen yogurt stores do like, uh, you know, like Cocoa Pebble, like milk flavored yogurt, mm-hmm. which is very good. Also, Pinkberry has a cookie butter Pink, one Pink that Berry, is, like, it. killing me right they now. They make shakes with Fruity Pebbles, so, too? Oh, oh, wait a minute. Wait, the other, in addition to Cocoa Pebbles, I love Count Chocula. <laughs> Count Chocula is so good because what happens is, so you put the Count Chocula in, in the milk, and you eat the regular cereal, saving the marshmallows for last. So then you're eating only the marshmallows all at once, and you're getting a massive sugar rush. And ladies and gentlemen, try and picture this this guy huh. on a sugar rush. So that's what you have for breakfast every morning. Now you know <laughs> the secret is out, Perry. All right, I was a cocoa puff type of kid, but as an adult, my go-to has been peanut butter puffins. Oh, have you ever had puffins? Because no. like you could eat them with milk, you could eat them without milk. Peanut butter puffins. Check them out if you haven't already. That's it. We are done today. You got your movies, your f bombs, and your cereal recommendations. 
Thank you guys so much, Haley, Scott, man. That's so awesome. We will see you both very, very soon here on Collider Video. Adam in the booth, a huge thank you as always. And a thank you to everybody out there for watching the show. Tell everybody you know about it. Like and share this video. Tell everybody about the podcast network, too. We will see you tomorrow, 4 p.m. PT Live, for a brand new episode of Movie Talk.